Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for this week, October 4th, 2020, is called Developing a Heart of Compassion. The speaker is John Ray, and the location is the Hudson's Backyard. Welcome again, everyone. We're really glad you joined with us. Um, yesterday marked 11 years since our daughter, Olivia, was killed by a distracted college student racing home on a Saturday morning after night of partying. And I hesitate to start this, to start and tell this story for a couple reasons. One, um, right now the pain is very close to the surface. It's not easy to talk about. Second, I don't want her memory and our loss to become something that is just a sermon illustration or a cliched story drug out every now and then to make a point or gin up an emotional response. But when we talk about compassion, as we are this morning, for me, there is no greater tangible experience of compassion that I've ever felt is when y'all responded to Olivia's tragic death and our grief. And when I say y'all, I mean Grace Church. I mean all of y'all. Our family, our close friends, our neighbors, this community. Now, of course, there were some responses and reactions that did more harm than good, some inexcusably so, but they were the exception. For the most part, y'all responded with true compassion. Y'all suffered with us. Y'all didn't demand we immediately get better or make sense of it. Y'all were and are steadfast, long-suffering, and compassionate. I could name names here, but I know I'd leave someone out. And the truth is, I really don't know everything that was done for us, even to this day. I know there were people that behind the scenes we never saw or never We're even conscious of our grief doing things for us. So I won't go into that. It would also take the rest of the time if I started to name everyone's name. But 11 years. I mean, I didn't think I was going to make it to the next morning. So many mornings after that October day, I had no comprehension of how I would survive through it. Or how I'd even survived the previous night. I would wake up surprised to be alive. And honestly, not all that happy about it. Even now, there are days it seems impossible that I've survived this long with grief this deep. But here I am, and here we are on this beautiful October morning. And so much of that is due to compassion. The compassion that y'all have shown us. The compassion that you continue to show us. So thank you. This morning, though, as we talk about this, I want to draw us, setting the stage with that one story, but I want to draw us back to Scripture and help us really understand how we can continue to cultivate and grow our practice of compassion. That's what we're doing in this season, is we're talking about the practices that we have to cultivate 
as apprentices, as disciples to Jesus. And the big idea this morning is how compassion is cultivated by an ever-deepening understanding of who God is, who we are, and how that defines how we relate to each other. You see, practicing compassion is an essential part of our apprenticeship to Jesus because compassion is a tangible expression of love. Compassion includes showing hospitality and choosing choosing to enter into the suffering of others. And this helps enable a true sense of belonging. Practicing compassion is a major component of our formation, of becoming. And receiving compassion helps us to encounter, to experience, and place our faith in the good news. Now, there are plenty of stories and psalms in the Bible that illustrate this point. Alex mentioned a couple as he was introducing the songs. But, of course, the essential story is that of the, the Good Samaritan. And as we studied and discussed this, there were a few things that stood out that we may not be familiar with, even though the story is very familiar to us. So as we encountered this story, let's, let's read from Luke. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. Now an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you understand it? The expert answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the expert, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, as Jesus was wont to do, with a story. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him up, and and went off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. But when he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side. So to a a Levite, when he came up to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came up to where the injured man was. And when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine on them. Then he took and put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever else you spend, I will repay you when I come back this way. Which of these three do you think came a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the religious law said, The one who showed mercy on him. So, Jesus said to him, go and do the same. And the first thing that I want to point out here is that Jesus tells the story not as a nice little parable, not just merely as a Sunday school story, but as in direct conjunction with a proclamation of what the greatest commandment is. So the story is tied to the greatest commandment. And it's, and it's interesting that when Jesus expounds on this, when he expounds on the greatest commandment, it's not about necessarily worship in the sense of how you should love God worshiping or how you should perform religious ritual. It's about the neighboring part. It's about the part of showing love to your neighbor and loving your neighbor as yourself. Love and compassion are inseparable. This is the first thing we need to ponder. Paul will later write to the church in Rome and to us this in Romans 12, starting in verse 9. 
Love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. Do not lag in zeal, but enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in suffering. Persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And do not be conceited. You see, practicing compassion keeps our love from being hypocritical. If there is a single charge brought against the church by those who have walked away from the church, it's that, isn't it? It's hypocrisy. Empty words. Merciless moralism. Transactional theologies. Selfish practices. All dressed up as the good news. All parading as love. But experienced as bait and switch. As more slavery. As more shame. As more condemnation. Jesus would have none of it. We as the church, must have none of it. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want us to see is that compassion is very risky. This may be one of the things that keeps us from practicing it the most. Compassion costs us something. We have to risk to practice it. We can't control or create the outcomes that we desire. The great teacher and survivor of the Holocaust, Elie Wiesel, wrote this, he said, in the face of suffering, one has no right to turn away, not to see. Even in darkness, it is possible to create light and encourage compassion. The opposite of beauty is not ugliness, it is indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. The opposite of life is not death, but indifference between life and death. The opposite of love not hate. It is indifference. That hardness of heart, that refusal to show compassion, even when it costs us. You see, that indifference protects us, it insulates us, but it also suffocates compassion, without which there is no love. Ah, that's the easy road, though, isn't it? To turn away, to not to notice, pretend not to notice. But another time, it's told Matthew that Jesus went throughout the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were bewildered and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest-ready fields. I've heard this preached in mission conference after mission conferences, the call for more missionaries. But I believe it's much broader than that. It encompasses so much more. You don't have to be a missionary to go into the field. What Jesus is saying is share in his compassion for those around us who are lost, who are hurting, who are wandering. He directly invites us. Jesus directly invites us 
to put ourselves at risk for the sake of others, those lost and in need of compassion. So we see that practicing compassion keeps our love from being hypocritical, and it demands risk and sacrifice. Finally, I want us to see that we really don't understand ourselves until we show compassion to others. You see, as we practice compassion, we have to grapple with our own belovedness. We have to grapple with how we ended up where we are, with what it means for us to feel hurts and lostness in the wandering, and where we receive compassion. We have to grapple with the incredibly deep mercy of God towards us, even and maybe especially when we don't deserve it. That allows that root of compassion to grow in us, and then we can show it to others. Likewise, as we show it to others, we receive it to ourselves. These are complementing experiences. This is how we ultimately experience God's love and affection and mercy in our own lives, by showing it to others. Now, this experience is rooted in much, much of what we talked about last week, gratefulness. So I won't talk much about it here. Other than to say a key part of our practice of compassion is cultivating our own sense of belovedness and gratitude. By understanding this, we can understand how God sees everyone else. And I think this is what the Samaritan got that the priest and the Levite didn't. He knew the battered and beaten man as his brother as just as worthy of love and compassion as he himself was, just as vulnerable as he was as well. He saw his own good intertwined with the beaten man lying in the ditch. You see, and this is the last thing, compassion combats the dehumanizing of others. Compassion is the antidote to the demeaning, name-calling, oppressing profiling, othering, and indifference we see slathered across our society right now. When the, when the psalmist says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, he delivers those who are discouraged. We have to know that that is us. And likewise, every other human we encounter. Well, how do we put this into practice? Because, as Alex said in our teaching meeting this week, Humans are complicated people. And that makes compassion a really confusing thing at times. Well, I mean, we rarely see the results we long for, an end to the suffering, an answer to a complex challenge, or a breakthrough in a time of trial. There's this thing called the Oz Principle that Alex brought up, and he, he talks about how the Oz Principle is see it, own it, solve it, do it. But some solutions, some problems can't be solved, at least not in a way that we can readily understand or measure. We can't reduce compassion to a problem-solving exercise, although much of compassion includes addressing all kinds of problems, personal and systemic. Compassion, most often, involves a commitment <coughs> to an indefinite time frame. It carries no guarantees. It offers few short-term rewards. Now, if you're wondering where to begin, if this feels overwhelming, 
in our Kids Focus this week, which you'll find in our learning guide on our website, Teresa's suggestions for developing compassion are incredible. They're a great place to start. So I'm going to ask you to reference that. You don't have to have kids to do it. It's, it's great for everybody. She put some great work down in that part this week. You see, compassion is where love is worked out. Where hypocrisy is halted in its tracks. And where ourselves, we ourselves are transformed in the process. Where there is no compassion, there is no love. Don't kid yourself. One last thing. Compassion is almost always a community project. None of us has the resources in ourselves and by ourselves. We need each other to bear one another's burdens. This is the kind of love that makes the church the church. It's what Grace Church, it's what Grace church did and continues to do for us. And it's what we need to continue to do for those around us. Thank you, Grace Church. I want to invite you now to a time of communion and reflection and giving the offering. This is how we worship, we respond. And one of the compassionate ways we respond is by sharing what we have, the tangible resources. Uh, we, we ask you to, to consider giving an offering here, both a symbol that everyone has something to give, but also that we all have need. All of us have a need. We share this among ourselves and with those in need as well. It's also a time for reflection. Look, these, this is not just supposed to be more information, but it's supposed to be, in many ways, called action. Where do you need to develop and practice compassion in your life? Write it down. Tell someone about it after we meet. But also we take communion here. And... As I was thinking about it this week, communion is a common meal. It's not a banquet. This isn't fancy. This isn't five-star. This is common. Cracker, juice, bread, wine. Something we need every day. It's common food for common people on a common day. Now, that's what we see in our practice of the faith. The miraculous is embedded in the common. Christianity is a call to live miraculously wherever we are. In the common things, the showing of compassion being one of the chief among them. And I think that's why Jesus did this. That last night that he was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Likewise, he took a common cup and passed it around. He said, this is my blood spilled out for you. Do these things in remembrance of me. So take now and eat and drink in remembrance of what God has done for us, is doing in us, and will do through us. God, we thank you for these gifts, for this time to worship together this morning. And we ask that you lead us in the cultivation of 
compassion for ourselves and for all those around us. To the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find out more about us at gracechurchnwa.org.